Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Hashtag Product Design Podcast. For those of you who don't know or couldn't guess by the title, this is a series of talks where I'll be picking the brains of industry experts exploring different topics within product and design. I have the pleasure of being joined today by my fellow design recruiter, uh, Rory Colgan, and today we're going to be exploring the topics of the design market in Berlin currently and what is the optimal design hiring process in our opinions. Uh, Rory, again, pleasure to have you on here. Please could you just start by giving a quick overview of you and your career so far? Sure thing. It's nice to be here. Thanks for the invite. Um, so yeah, I've been recruiting product design in Berlin for coming up to six years now. Uh, it was called UX when I started. It was in the sort of UX boom. And then obviously, you know, trends have shifted the titles towards product design. Uh, ultimately, what we do on a day to day basis is connect with clients, learn about um, what they're looking for within uh, a good designer. And then we help them to find that person. Uh, we help to give advice around salaries, job titles, uh, interview processes, uh, and just generally try and give them our industry insights as like design experts, basically. And then the other side of it is helping candidates with, uh, you know, portfolio reviews, CVs, giving them help and advice around the job market, helping them to manage expectations as well. And um, yeah, just trying to make it as much as a pleasant uh, user experience for them, so to speak. Yeah. Cool. Well, look, thanks very much for the intro, my man. Um, obviously, again, pleasure to have you on here. I know we've been trying to do this for a little while now, and I think yeah. our, our busy, busy schedules have been uh, it's been difficult to get each other, but I'm really yeah. glad that we were able to do that. I think certainly from my perspective, I think everyone who's watched the podcast before or knows about the podcast, of course, it's generally been me speaking to someone who is hands-on in designer, has worked as a designer or in a hiring position as a design manager or head of design, something like that. But I think it's really good to have this talk from a little bit of a different perspective from our side. Um, of course, um, I think we're going to try and not sway towards just, uh, you know, ranting as much as possible. But of course, I think there will be some some certainly important topics that people can learn from and um, and hopefully gain insight from. So the first topic that we wanted to cover off was generally the, the design market currently in Berlin. Um, now, obviously, that's a very, very general topic. Um, yeah. I think... I wanted to ask you first and foremost, just as a generic opinion, you know, what what do you see in terms of the design market currently? How would you describe the design market currently in Berlin? Uh, I'd say it's like healthy overall. I think coming from like five years ago, how it was where like I, I didn't know what UX design was. I had to learn you know, sort of fake it till you make it, etc. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> so, you know, I was getting sent job specs for UX designer and then really what they wanted was someone to just make marketing content and stuff yeah. like that. I think overall, the general um, sort of definition of what like a product designer is and what a UX designer is, is a lot more established now than yeah. it was. Sure. So companies are generally a lot more aware of like the, the benefit of research and why it's important and like mm. what a product designer does and what they don't do. So I think it's in Berlin, there's a good level of maturity and understanding. Um, so yeah, I'd say it's in a healthy and positive place. Obviously, you know, there's this sort of big question mark above like recession and mm. all this kind of stuff so with regards to like growth we've seen it slow down a little bit but i think also we need to measure it against last year when you know we came out of covid the yeah world of course was, like, yeah. it was 
booming and this year it's sort yeah. of down a little bit overall i'd say it's in a really healthy place and i think um you know designer salaries have got to a point where where they should be like when yeah. i first started it was like engineers were making more way more 100 oh, yeah 100 yeah. um you know design was just sort of maybe not as uh sort of valued as it yeah it's it like it's like a secondary thing wasn't it essentially yeah like a, yeah yeah <laughs> You know, I'm not saying that's like bad on behalf of like the, the early stage clients no. I was working with back then. I think no. it's just the natural progression of yeah. people's understanding developing and mm. you know some people's skill sets developing as designers. And mm. I feel like companies overall have like a good vision and understanding of what good design is and yeah. you know how to keep designers happy ultimately. Yeah, definitely. No, I I agree with. I think the the market is in a very good state currently. I think we've seen. We saw that downturn, obviously, when COVID first hit. And then we saw, I thought, you know, I thought we saw a big upturn when things started to return to some form of normality. Of course, a lot of remote working was still happening, but I think some form of normality or a bit more steadiness in the financial situation of a lot of businesses. And then, of course, now the financial situation is probably <laughs> degrading a little bit again. Um, we are seeing, I think it's a little bit of a domino effect. Um, I think we saw it at the beginning of COVID. We're seeing it again now where big tech companies or big tech startups essentially in Berlin are laying off staff and it's it's a yeah. bit of a domino effect across the business uh, across the industry and I think of course people have uh, you know companies are in every right to feel a little bit uncertain right now of course but yeah I think it's in a good place for sure um I think certainly one topic we wanted to speak about in terms of the market currently was the and I think it's a hot topic right now was the real lack of of junior positions that are open currently mm -hmm. um now, first question I wanted to ask you, Rory, really was what do you think is the main reason as to why there are a lack of junior roles currently? Mm, I think, so I think big, big companies are fortunate enough to be able to take on juniors and mm. offer internships because they've got like the design resource and structure and, and strength there to, you know, have their senior or mid-level designers like coaching people and helping them. Mm. I think with early stage startups they just want a designer that can come in and do everything and i think part of the reason why there's not enough junior roles is that companies see it as a bit of a risk and like yeah. obviously companies are always wanting perfection and the best designer on the market as you know a lot of what we do is expectation management yeah. about like yeah obviously everyone wants someone that's ex google or ex meta yeah, or yeah, yeah of course yeah <laughs> what why why you know what's your company's sort of reason for them to join you mm. um but I, th I think a lot of it's down to the fact that design teams is, are still not that big in a lot of yeah. small size companies and it's a case yeah. like they're probably a bit worried about investing in someone that's not an expert mm. um whereas i think personally if you take someone on um and you know do you take a little bit of a risk with them because you take a risk with anyone you hire yeah exactly i was gonna say the same yeah. a senior designer who's got loads of amazing experience they're always mm. gonna get hit up by recruiters like her yeah company. taking on a junior designer is a good investment because you can shape them and mold them in the way that you mm. want them to work and uh ultimately um you know give them the opportunity they'll be much more loyal employees but i think yeah. companies see it as just risky you know this person's mm. not an expert are they going to make mistakes, etc.? Of course they are. Everyone makes mistakes. Yeah. I think it's just this yeah. whole kind of startup ego of like everyone being amazing at everything they do, yeah. the which I think we need to get past because as we were talking about the other day, like I, I find it really hard to find good mid-level designers at the moment. Yeah. Not, mm. They're not sort of fueling the sort of growth of the scene because if you don't have yeah. junior designers growing up to be mid-level designers, then you're not going to get any mid-level yeah. designers. So 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I think we'll go on to the sort of mid-level gap uh, again after this topic. But I, um, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think the, um, is there's a lot of dependables in companies as to whether they can take juniors on. I think some companies really struggle with the fact that they might not, as you said, they might not have that design set up, the structure. They might not have someone who's capable of taking on a junior and mentoring them and, mm-hmm. and leading them and getting them to where, where they need to be. I think, I think design, because obviously I worked in engineering recruitment before, and I think the typical, like the typical pathway for an engineer was they did a computer science degree at university, then went into development from there. Whereas I think you've probably seen it as much as I have that some designers come from completely different backgrounds. Some have transitioned yeah, yeah. into design after doing 20 years in one particular other field. You know, some people have been lawyers and gone into design and things like that. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's very difficult for them to make that transition. And I think there's a big, I talked about it on one of the other podcasts that I did before in regards to Career Foundry and Ironhack and things like that, the, the design mm-hmm. courses that people can do. And I think there's a real tendency for hiring managers in particular to be quite against hiring people who are more junior who have also done those courses as well because they're all taught the same you know in the same way and their portfolio is all written in the same way. Yeah. So I think it's a very it's a very difficult space for juniors to be in. But um yeah, I, you've, I felt like you were going to say something just then. <laughs> uh, no, no I, th- I think those look. I think those courses are great. I think yeah, because to do a degree is an invest, big investment of money. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Time, whereas these, like um, the the sort of the boot camp courses, they give people a good insight into like this is what it is, this is how it works, mm. and ultimately helps people decide whether or not they want to do it. And it's good that it gives such a great entry point to people, but also. Uh, it's just a really competitive market out there for, mm. for entry-level designers as well, which is why I try and do as much as possible in that space yeah. and try and put people out and give them advice. Um, and I, th- I think, like, as much as I love the boot camps, I think it's something they, they could improve on is, like, just, yeah. just expectation management of, like, yeah. you know, it will take a while to get you a good job and there's a lot of hustle yeah. involved. Um, but ultimately, you know, they're, they're helping people to discover yeah. and, and upskill something. Um, yeah. In coming out of those, because I've had friends that have done software engineering ones and gone like straight into employment. So I, th- mm. I think generally the course coming out of one of those as an engineer is probably a little bit easier to get a job yeah. than a designer. Um, but, you know, I, again, I think they're a great thing. And Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. I think they are. I think they are a great thing. I just think that certainly from the feedback that I've got with hiring managers working with them and their opinions on the level of people that come out of those courses, I think some come out as very good visual designers. But I think more from the business perspective, the strategy, the more like UX deep, deep part of that. I think isn't quite there from the courses and they don't unfortunately without working in a professional environment where they're needed to, to gain deeper insight into the business part. I think that's where they lack um, inexperience of course, but I think they lack more so than someone that might have not done those courses, but managed to find a professional job where they've been working professionally for one or two years or something like that. Um, I think that's where that's certainly where I see them lacking. I would say. <laughs> But that's that's the kind of experience you get on the job, though. You know, there's only yeah, so yeah. Much you can teach. A lot of it just comes to to, to actually doing it as well. Mm. Which you know, these courses do give people the opportunity to. But then you know, it's down to companies to invest in. Yeah, yeah. You know, take them that step further. Let's say. Yeah. What advice would you give junior designers, no matter whether they've done courses or whether they've decided to do make the transition into design from another industry what what advice would you give a junior designer or entry-level designer um in order to to get the jobs that they're looking for or to secure their first role in the in the industry uh good question i'm actually writing i started writing like a blog piece on it it's turned yeah. into a 
bloody dissertation almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're going to put it out because we're having a big rebrand soon. So we've got this yeah. sort of concept of what we are coming and it'll be released mm. as part of that. But like, there's going to be lots of tips in there, but mainly just got to hustle to find a job. Basically mm. just applying is not enough. Like, as no. I'm sure you know, like, I put a job out, out, I get hundreds of applications, you know, yeah. applications without see like portfolios, etc. So yeah, just, just network as much as possible. Like speak to people, yeah. you know, even if it's, I always say to people, like just even like liking people's posts on LinkedIn, mm. There's so many, so much value in just consistent touch points and, you know, it won't win you a job straight away. And it's not mm. like quantifiable that like, oh, if you do this, it will definitely get you somewhere. Yeah. But it's a case of like just constantly reminding that person yeah. that you're entering that scene, you're keen to learn yeah. and progress. And, you know, these just got to keep pushing and pushing and pushing because it is a really yeah. good jobs market especially with design again you know we're seeing more design jobs but we're still seeing like yeah. a few new ones so yeah just you know face-to-face meetups if you can mm. online meetups as much as possible um you know just speaking to other designers i think yeah. like good thing about what i with my experience with the design community in berlin is everyone's pretty helpful and quite chatty 100 like, yeah mm. you'll get this as a recruiter like when you first start doing like business development you're like i need to call a stranger or like email a stranger it feels yeah. weird. like once you get over that initial like awkwardness it's it's actually not that hard you just yeah as long as you do it the right way people are actually pretty receptive so i think yeah definitely it's teaching them to like not be afraid to just go direct to a head of design yeah and, uh you know sort of you know message them yeah. and you know just speak to people at events i'm shy and anxious deep down <laughs> yeah yeah but, sure oh my god but once you once you get yourself out there it gets a lot easier yeah um, and yeah there's there's just so many just applying for jobs is sadly not enough so you need to try and cover all these touch points all the time and, um, yeah basically. yeah no i think the the power of networking is is so great especially in the the berlin design community because obviously we we went to an event recently together and i think that you know certainly from my perspective i assume from your perspective as well that the amount of people you recognize and people recognize you was was quite high i think there's probably more people that we knew there than we didn't know there um yeah real life is really surreal (laughs) yeah exactly um but i think yeah i think something that i really took from you there was just don't be scared to to approach these guys in your face because from, from our perspective look you know we're we're not designers we're approaching people um and of course, we are approaching people to get paid for finding them the right people. Whereas, you know, if you're a designer, junior designer in Berlin, you're not asking to get paid for them to, to hire you. You know, you're just trying to get yeah. in front of them at that, at that point. And as I said, I think certainly from working in software engineering to design, I think the heads of design, the hiring managers in design are much more receptive to our services than perhaps some of the, the software guys were from my perspective. Um, but I always advise everyone, no matter what level you are, to be honest, even if you're junior, senior, if you're lead, if you found a company products that you really believe in and you really, really want to work for. Um, Applying sometimes is is just not enough, no matter how good you are, um, depending on how their hiring process is set up, depending on who's screening your, your CV portfolio initially, you know there's no guarantee that you're going to get an interview or get in front of the right person there so mm-hmm. for sure if you're looking for a job no matter what level you're at, of course apply as much as you can. Um, I think 
I think be selective sometimes as well, though. I don't think you need to apply to absolutely every product design role that's out there, unless, of course, you are very, very desperate and you need to. <laughs> um, but I think you can afford to be selective. You know, there's there's so much opportunity in design in Berlin. You know, you can you can do your own research, scroll through LinkedIn, find, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 companies if you wanted to. Um, but try and be a bit selective, but go about it the right way and try and connect with the right people, try and get in front of the right people there. Um, because that direct, you know, we know as recruiters, the direct route through to the hiring manager is so much easier than going through the the typical application or hr process um, definitely and like yeah. one thing it's really cheesy but like everyone everyone was in that position of like yeah never done any actual design work i need mm. to start out so you know it's, again it's, it might seem scary messaging heads of design mm. but like everyone started somewhere um yeah. and one, one tip i'd always give people as well is because obviously to put jobs on linkedin and advertise them linkedin charges for that so generally mm. Any company who's hiring design or has designers, just check their website. Because I see mm. so many companies that have like an intern role yeah. on their website, but like, you know, they won't, yeah. they won't have the, the budget to push it online. So you need to go like a little bit deeper with it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I think just relying on job boards is, is sadly not enough. Um, no. But yeah, you just got to put the hustle in basically. Yeah, for sure. It almost becomes like a full-time job looking for a job, I think. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, you just have, just have to be dedicated. I think certainly as recruiters, I think we've learned that rejection is a massive, massive part of our role. And I think you sort of become immune to it after a while yeah. of doing it. But I think you just got to have the same approach as a, as a designer, certainly in the, in the early stages. Look, I think everyone knows there's not thousands and thousands of junior design roles open. So don't be scared. And if you get rejected, I think try and get feedback from the people you're working with i think that is quite a big problem in the industry it's a whole other topic but i think it's quite a big problem in the industry that companies don't provide detailed enough feedback to help people in their next interview rounds or in their next interview positions but yeah i think yeah don't be don't be scared don't be too disheartened when things go wrong don't be too you know happy when an interview goes right because there's obviously more stages that you have to go through but yeah just just keep at it essentially um but the next thing we wanted to move on was more of the the mid-level gap in the industry currently now i know we spoke yesterday and there seemed to be from your side a few more mid-level positions that were coming up i filled a few recently myself so i think there are more propping up now um but as you mentioned if there's no junior design positions then there's no design you know junior design to move into the mid-level position um so why why do you think obviously that's a point that you've already made but do you what else do you see happening as to why there's a bit of a mid-level gap right now uh yeah again it's just i think there's a lack of lack of junior roles so people aren't getting that entry level point Mm. um so you know they're not getting the the skills and or well they've got the skills they're not getting the experience to exercise Mm. those skills and understand about working in a company to <clears throat> to progress to like a mid-level role mm. and obviously you know with us with companies paying us for what we supply you know we, I, if someone's close to three years i'll always try and say like look speak to this person yeah, yeah. good but a lot of the time companies are like three years is the base minimum but if you don't again if you don't give people the chance to get that experience yeah. then there's going to create a huge gap in the market i was like i was saying when we did the, the call the other day to prep for this yeah. like we had a the company I used to work for was was based in manchester I mean, we had all these like huge consultancies and stuff we used to work for so it's quite high volume and high pressure stuff and they're like why are you struggling to find us mid-level designers and bless him my director did loads of like really deep data analysis yeah. look there's no junior jobs that's why in manchester there's loads of amazing senior designers there's loads of amazing leads and heads of but like if you don't 
have that starting point for people, then you're not going to create the next sort of generation mm. of design talent, essentially. So again, I get from a business perspective, it might be seen as a bit risky, but also I think, especially for early stage startups, you know, because I speak to, I'm sure you do as well, I speak to loads yeah. of early startup founders and they get a bit of funding. They all want like the best designer ever, <laughs> yeah. product ever. And I always believe in that and I love people's excitement for what they're working on, but to take a junior designer on and like craft them and give them guidance, you know, you got yourself a really loyal employee there who's, yeah. you know, really committed and will, you know, sort of maybe even have a like a level of excitement for, and passion for the job mm. that you wouldn't find in a in a in a senior designer. Yeah, but yeah, there's still it's still quite hard to find good mid-level designers, but then yeah. I yeah. can take you off and like close my eyes and throw it and I'll probably hit a good senior designer. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think the also a problem I know we, we spoke about in our chat before was that um senior designer title is thrown around quite a lot these days. Um the title titles. Yeah. <laughs> the titles are yeah, senior designer title is thrown around a lot. And I think it's massively dependent on the situation, obviously company you're working at. But again, yeah. you know, let's say someone's hired as a senior designer at a really early stage startup where there's like three, four people there and they're hired as a senior there. Mm-hmm. I think the common the common problem that we see is that that particular designer in our eyes or other hiring managers' eyes will probably be seen as a mid-level designer if they've got two, three, four years experience, let's say. Um, mm-hmm. But because they've obtained that senior design title, I think some designers need to understand that you can't be completely fixated on the fact that that particular job title was a senior job title and and it might be more difficult to get a senior title somewhere else um but it's very difficult to justify that to people sometimes i mean what's your take on that yeah it's it's yeah job titles are confusing man like i was like i spoke to someone from america and she was like a vp of design in quite a big company as well yeah I don't know if they knew that she had that title on her LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah. She was pushing for these design, these jobs in Berlin. And I was like, mm. you know, that takes like 15 years of experience, you mm. know, and some of that is like, you know, there's the craft level of it, but yeah. also a lot of that's like, um, like a managerial and like crisis management and mm. people management experience that you can only get from doing a job from so long. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. You can do courses in these things, but you need experience in these real life situations to get there. Some companies will pay like lead level uh, salaries for senior designers because it's really competitive out there. Mm, and mm. Um, yeah, generally, you know, one, one a senior designer in one company can be a different thing in another company. Yeah. Thankfully, overall, I'd say designers are not too egotistical and too title driven. They're more yeah. driven by purpose. So they want to work yeah. on things that they connect with, they believe in, or things that they're excited about, or things they specialize in, like fintech, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. Um but yeah, titles it's it's just messy because like you know you could be a head of design in a small startup, like yeah, you're taking ownership for all of their design. Yeah. But your responsibilities are not going to be the same as a head of design in a, a bigger company where you have you know 15 reports. Yeah. And yeah. you have to contribute to like roadmap strategy and have these big budgets to, to manage. Yeah. So yeah, there's no I wish there could be like a unilateral. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Level. For, for me, the way I read it is generally uh up to three years is like sort of junior or just product designer. And mm. then like yeah. three years where I call it mid-level and then four and a half, five years senior, but some yeah. companies will want eight years for senior. Yeah, exactly. And like management yeah. and leads. It depends on the you know the size of the company the size of the operation as well mm. 
Yeah. Actually, you know, like big, big companies like Delivery Hero will have like lead designers for verticals. So they'll have a whole layer yeah. of leadership. Um, yeah. Same as aspects or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, yeah, I do. I think it's a common common problem. I think it, it is just about, I think, sometimes being a bit being a bit more realistic with your where people's abilities are and what they're actually capable of. Um, but also, I think it's also coming from the company's perspective as what they actually need from this person, what they actually want from this person. Um, so I think I think job descriptions sometimes are very misaligned with their actual expectations of the role. I don't know how much you hear it, but certainly I speak to designers often and they say, you know, they might be in the first three, four months of their companies you know, at the a specific company. And they say, yeah, I was like sort of missold what the role was going to be um, yeah. Yeah. in the interview. So yeah. I do think it comes from the other side as well. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's job specs are a weird one. Like I put a piece out a while back. There's loads of things that if you just put in your job spec, you'd optimize the amount of candidates mm. you have. Like if it's a solo designer working, taking ownership for all of us, all design, then just say it because so yeah, many yeah. Say, <laughs> and they'll get into the interview and they'll be like, "What's the rest of the design team?" We'll be like, "Oh, it's just you." And they'll be like, "Okay, yeah." So yeah, just by stating certain things, companies can really optimize it. But yeah, there is a bit of a problem with. And, um, you know, I know that a lot of this to do within the startup scene is generally lack of resources. So mm. a product manager will probably write a design job spec and they'll probably just Google various design jobs. Yeah, yeah. But then like, you need to be honest about like, what, what is this person mm. actually doing? And like, as much as I, I like the title product designer and it makes sense, as you know, well, it can mean different things, you know, it can mm. mean your 20% UI, yeah. sorry, 20% UX. And yeah. Then, 80 yeah. so just be clear on these things is the advice yeah because yeah. jobs so just you know the job of ux design is like research ux and ui it's quite mm. clearly defined but it's about breaking down you know what how much of each one of these things are you gonna yeah. actually do in that job because that's like you know if you miss sell someone a job they're not gonna stay there you know it's not yeah. a good look no, hundred percent. Um, again, I think it comes from the people who are writing them, or who you know what structure they have in place. Generally, with a good design structure in place and a, and a good hiring manager, um, they they will much more understand. But again, even even in certain instances, there, um, a lot of the time they're written by HR people or members of the talent team, and of course they relay information from the the head of design, and hopefully they have a good enough relationship to to be able to write good job descriptions for them. But again, I, I still think they miss sometimes from that perspective. <laughs> um, yeah, 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 definitely. They're all quite yeah. like you. you we, we both read a lot of them, and they all yeah. they all they all read pretty similar. You know, when you yeah. get a good job spec, you're like, wow, this is like this is well yeah. done. I wanted to I wanted to ask your opinion before we move on to the next topic. Just last question, going on to the job description part. What's your opinion on having salaries included in the job descriptions it's a tricky one i'm always pushing for it but i understand yeah. that it can be hard we did like a, i was on like a talk about it a while back so like again it's something which helps to optimize the funnel of candidates if you like mm. this is the most amount we can pay but also i understand it can be awkward if you're in a company and you're advertising what different people are getting paid but then mm. on the flip side of that i think especially companies with big design teams if you have a problem with advertising salaries then that suggests there's systematic problems yeah. with and pay within the company so i always post the salary to, to make my life easier and you yeah. know just again sort of like just people know yes or no this is going to pay what i'm looking yeah. for I do think I know for a fact that designers like it when companies post the salary on the job spec and people are forever pushing with mm -hmm. it. On the flip side of that, I do understand why some companies are a little bit weary about it. But I think 
if big companies are worried about it, again, it suggests there's probably some deep yeah. problems in the company about disparity in the quality. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a big believer as well. I Everything I post generally, um, certainly messages and approaches that I make on, on LinkedIn and things like that, I'll, I will generally always put the salary in there because I think that it's, I think certainly a lot of the response I get is they appreciate the transparency about it. Because I think hmm. too many, too many designers receive so many, you know, so many emails, so many messages on LinkedIn per day. And of, of course, I I think having the salary is good in there because a lot of the time, even if designers are running more than the salary that's offered, they'll come back to you and say, look, I really like the product. I really you know, look like the the look of the company, the product itself, but I am earning more than this. And they ask you, you know, can it be negotiable? And at, at certain times with certain companies, yes, it can be. Um, mm-hmm. But I think without having that transparency up front, um, sometimes they don't want to waste their time or they see it, you know, d- depending on what the description is or what the responsibilities are, they might view it as not being worth their time at that point. Um, but I think a lot of people appreciate the trans, the transparency with the salary side of things. Exactly. You don't want to spend time like getting people on calls and then all of a sudden, like, you know, getting to know them and be like, Oh, by the way, this yeah. is a salary and it's not going to yeah. fit. So, yeah. It's, everyone's super busy. It, it just, it just helps to, you know, save people time. And like you mm. said, it's a trust thing as well. It's just the openness helps to build trust in the people. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and a lot of the time, look, most, I'd say, I, I certainly think the senior gap is quite large now. As you said, pe- companies are willing to pay lead salaries for salary uh, for seniors right now. Yeah. Um, but generally, you're not going to be. I'd say across the the industry, you're not going to be miles off with the salary expectation or the salary that the companies can pay right now. So, I think it's worth putting the budget that they might have in there but i'm sure you know as well as i do when you speak to hiring managers if you find someone that is amazing for them that might be 5 10k above what their budgeted role is or budget is for the role they're yeah. probably going to still end up hiring them for that money <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. if it's something niche like yeah. you know like easy and obvious one like fintech if someone yeah. goes to fintech be like look they 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 deliver above and beyond then this is advice for designers that are applying for jobs you see a job that is below your salary bracket just be really clear in your application and be like look i've got a lot of experience in this field you know Mm -hmm. this is what i'm looking for to make it worthwhile me changing jobs because yeah you're right do you have someone that goes above and beyond Mm -hmm. companies will generally pay for that person um but yeah yeah salaries and job titles it's such it's such a messy space Yeah. yeah A lot of it's down to the size of the company and how much funding they have. So there's sadly mm. no really clear way of yeah. sort of breaking down like this is what this should be and this is what that mm. should be. Is every company's got a different bank accounts and yeah, yeah, exactly. I I think the introduction of bonus schemes, stock options, everything that now comes into the packages as well. It's very difficult. It's, as you said, it's such a messy space because some companies might offer lower salaries, but with big stock option packages and want people to come in and believe in the company enough to stay with them long enough to, may, to maybe be able to cash in from that perspective. But um, And then others that uh, you know, don't have the bonus scheme, don't have stock options, but offer higher basic salaries. And I think, as you said, I don't think, I think the design community is one that's not egotistical not necessarily salary driven but of course everyone needs to earn a living at the end of the day um so yeah cool i wanted to move on to the the next topic that we wanted to cover off now which was in our opinion what an optimal hiring process looks like in design now obviously i think we have our own opinions on on certain elements i think again it's massively situational based but what do you see the first question what do you see as potentially being the optimal hiring process in design that you've witnessed or seen yourself uh 
I, I think like three or four stages. Four four stages is enough. Like three mm. is fair. In the UK, like it's just two or three stages. Yeah, yeah. People hire designers and they stay at companies for a long time. It's been proven to work. I think a lot of um Berlin design culture is influenced by Silicon Valley and it sort of trickles down next to Berlin. Yeah. So, you know, things like the, the job titles and to an extent the salaries are very influenced by that. Uh, and sadly, the interview processes are as well. So, like, you know, companies, some companies will have like eight stage interview processes and it's it's off-putting for candidates. And like yeah. one one person I was talking to, she's amazing and she's like, I've got a young kid. She's like, This this process is not inclusive because I don't have time to do that do <laughs> yeah. and have yeah. a child. And it's like, that's you, you, a long process is block out a lot of good candidates. Yeah, and like, sure. I always feel like, do, do you really need like this level of like clarification no. on some, so many different stakeholders, you know, like companies, they always pride themselves on being like decisive and like smart people that know what they want. And then it's like, well, why do you have such a long interview process? So yeah. in my opinion, three or four, one thing uh, I learned through doing like a workshop on it was that like a lot of people said that maybe get rid of the initial call and I'm not like belittling internal TAs because I've got friends that do it. I've done a bit yeah. of it myself. Yeah, me well. too, yeah. I know, I know the, the sort of the struggle and the pains and, and what you bring to the table with that, but I think a good process would be for internal TAs to like filter through the applicants, find the best bunch, give them to the head of design. The head of design does the first interview. Because I've had it when like someone's not really clicked with the internal recruiter. Yeah, for sure. And then I've known they're a really good designer and I've had to go straight to the head of design. I've been like, look, I don't want to like... Yeah, you know, lose out here, yeah. <laughs> drop the boat, but I think yeah. this, you know, and everyone has bad days. That person was just having a bad day. I think you should speak to them. They're a good designer. But ultimately, I'd say first call with the head of design. So you just straight in with... Yeah. The person who you're going to be reporting to, head of design, yeah. or if it's a small company, a product manager who you'd be working closely with. Yeah. Second one, uh, the dreaded tests slash challenge, like just like portfolios, they're a pain yeah. in the ass. For me and you both, as well as designers yeah. and, and hiring managers, but they're yeah. not going So, but I do think one thing that's important is to offer an option of either a take-home challenge or um, like a whiteboard challenge, which you do there and then. Because mm -hmm. like I'm like we were saying the other day, I really struggle with like presenting stuff under pressure. Yeah, but I'm like a real geek in my spare time, and like my mind's really active at night. And like you know, if I had yeah. the option to, do, I'd do a take-home case study. Yeah, exactly. Go deep into it, and I think I'd excel. Whereas if they were like, right now, you need to think about solving this problem in front of these stakeholders. Yeah. I, I crumble. I just wouldn't be able yeah. to do it. it mean to say I can't do that job. It means to say that, like, you know, let's, let's account for neurodiversity yeah. in hiring processes. Mm -hmm. So I think, so yeah, two options of like a challenge or mm. um, like case study to take home work on or yeah. a challenge. And then like another interview where you just meet some of your peers. So like engineering, mm. uh, you know, someone from product, maybe someone from marketing or whatever, just to get like a vibe for the culture. Yeah. And then as is common, like a meeting with like the head of design and like usually like the founder of the companies like to meet yeah. people coming in, which I think is a nice touch point, to be honest. So yeah, yeah that would be the ideal three or four would be head of design, challenge, uh, teammates, yeah. and then like a final <coughs> where yeah. it's more about clarification about the role and the salary. Um, well, what, what, what do you think would be the optimum? Would you say yeah, four four, or, I think, yeah, I agree. I think 
I, I mean, obviously, if you say the Ottomans just won. Yeah, 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 just one. Yeah, they don't. They're literally, half hour call done. Hiram, <laughs> that would make our lives a bit easier. But of course, yeah. we understand it's it's unrealistic. Um, but no, I agree. I do think that um, three, four. I, I, as I said to you, I think when we were preparing, I don't think it's necessarily the amount of stages that is the the issue. Um, because I think we've both worked with companies that have maybe five or six, but they do it very efficiently and effectively and yeah. can get them through. I think the the length of time between the stages is usually the biggest problem. Um, yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember I sat down with uh, Timo, who was on the, the last one, um, on the last podcast from Stewie. Um, and I sat down with him whilst I was in Berlin a few weeks ago and we were, we were having dinner and we, we I was talking about sort of like a bit more from our perspective as to what we're trying to achieve with the people we work with. And I was talking to him about getting to someone at the point of the, the top point of white heat, right? So the point, the top point of that flame in terms of excitement about the role. Um, and the longer we can keep them in that point of white heat, the more excited, the more excitable they'll be about this position. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem is when they start to drop down that flame and towards the bottom where it's not as good is when we take too much time between interview processes because some people have the first call absolutely buzzing come out really excited yeah i'm really excited about this role absolutely love it and it takes a week week and a half for them to go to this next step by the time they get to that next step they've got also got really excited and really buzzing about two or three other opportunities that they're in and it starts to become much more competition as opposed to if you can get them in that first stage it goes well we get feedback quickly you move on to the next step in the next one or two days do the next step depending on what it is, of course, then, yeah, it's just about trying to get them through that process, no matter how many stages there are, in as quick amount of time as possible to maintain that level of excitement from their perspective. Um, but I was, going back to like the design challenges and things like that, I completely agree. I think if you've got a, a strong enough design setup to be confident that you can offer the people the option as to what they'd like to do or prefer to do, then mm-hmm. I think that's best. Because as you said, offering neurodiversity in the interview process would be i think so much more effective if you can give them the option of say look how best do you think you would present your work to us is it presenting your your portfolio in a case study presentation that way is it a live white warning session or is it a take-home task that we can send you to complete um in Mm -hmm. your own time um again i think it need the whiteboarding session and design tasks need to be effective and need to be quite strategically planned as to how they're going to get the best out of this person but mm-hmm. i think ha- offering the option of that those types of things would mean that they wouldn't eliminate people just because they don't perform well under pressure or they don't they don't perform well at home by themselves um also last thing i wanted to mention was something we spoke about as well was again not belittling tas or internal hr or anything like that a lot of the time they are in involved in that process but i think arguably if we're working in partnership with the company their initial screening call will probably be the same sort of thing that we're discussing with them maybe maybe sometimes at a lower level if they're not specialists in this market but um something that's worked really effectively for me with the clients that I worked with in the, in the clients that have agreed to do it is that we try and have the HR first screening call and also the hiring manager first screening call in the same day or at the same time. Um, so that we can essentially get those two stages out of the way as quickly as possible. Um, I think 
you get the HR part, you get that part out of the way, and then you've moved straight onto the hiring manager call, or like a few hours later, if they have the time, it's obviously massively time dependent, but try and get them done in the same day or in the same time. They don't necessarily have to be in the same call. They don't have to join at the same time, but HR manager could speak to them for half hour, leave hiring manager, join, speak to them for another hour or something like that. And it's, it's an hour and a half slot, um, but it's all done in one in one session. Then that way, that's you know, if, if companies do have a bit of a lengthier process, that's two stages completely done in one day. And if it all goes well, then they're not through to the next step very very quickly um but yeah it's just something that i've seen work effectively no sure. definitely like, i love the fact you use the term white heat and it's about like yeah. pace and stuff like that because i think we've i've had it with some designers where like companies have been really busy interviewing lots of people and that's why the process has taken longer but to a designer who you know is all about working agile and you know sort of following processes and making things run smoothly when there's a big gap in the interview process, it's like, what does that say about them as a company? It's like, are they slow moving? Are they indecisive? You know, all yeah. this kind of stuff, which, you know, I think a lot of it's about helping candidates understand what's going on behind the scenes and also helping clients understand what's going on in the candidate's head. But yeah, just to have that, like, you know, momentum and excitement behind something can 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 be super effective. Like I've managed yeah. to do a role in like, was it like seven working days back to back. Yeah. I sent someone like, this person's really good. I was like, right. Let's all partner up. Let's get yeah. all the stakeholders in one thread and let's just focus on this person and let them mm. know they're amazing. And it worked, you know, it's sort of they, they cancel all the other options they're interviewing for yeah. and they hiring them and it was good. But also, again, it's company size, how busy are people? But yeah, mm. I think companies need to be aware that it, it is a really competitive market and yes, your company is special, but like there's loads of other ones out there as well. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think I, um, I spoke to Lena from Miro on the, one of the other podcasts that I did with her and I said, um, how do you, uh, I asked her the question sort of, how do you differentiate between you're interviewing this person or are you selling to this person? Because, you know, obviously Miro, were, Miro, were, are a, are a top company and of course they look for the top talent from the best companies around the world so yeah. i asked i asked her the question you know that question how do you differentiate between okay we've interviewed this person enough now how much you know do we start selling to them now or are we... i think they're just like right we're interviewing this but they should want to work for us you know we're they're, they've applied for our job yeah they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah for our job yeah, they, yeah, yeah. They, i think some of the advice that i give the people i work with is a lot unfortunately there will be times where you do feel like it's a bit of an interrogation you do feel like it's a bit of an interrogation it's the face and they're just literally reading questions off a bit of paper one by one yeah. and not giving you anything back but giving you anything back but opportunity as possible to ask them open-ended questions or ask them opinions on things so you can get them talking and opening up a little bit at that point because up a little bit at that point because might just very easily go back to the as i said the bog standard like interrogation technique if i'm just going to ask you as many questions as i can not really say much and then just leave at the end of it um yeah i yeah. know <laughs> no, it can sound a bit robotic i think it's yeah. striking the balance of like selling but not overselling but also mm. interviewing as well and i think yeah. it's fine line with that because i think if you go in too hard with like pitching things to people they're a bit mm. like Whoa, why, why is like yeah why, why is this such a hard sale and yeah. then i think if you're just too flat with just asking them generic questions then mm. it doesn't really get them pumped about it so i think yeah. there's there's a fine balance to be struck between the two 
Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think it goes back to what we do essentially is I think companies, um, again, just get too much in the mindset, fixated mindset of this person's applied for us. They should want to work for us. But I think mm -hmm. if companies did more, certainly from my perspective, a big thing that I do is understanding people people's motivations as much as possible and trying to make them align you know it's, it's about coming to a logical decision as to whether this opportunity is actually going to be better for them in the long run but i think as you said if there's one end of the spectrum where companies are just selling way too hard about what they do and why it's going to be benefit this person without actually understanding that firstly from their perspective yeah what their motivations are and what they actually want they could be just selling to the complete wrong person it's just a massive waste of time for for everyone <laughs> so i think it's good to just go straight in with the chat with it if you have the head yeah. design, with the head yeah. it's like you know you can learn about what that person wants and what their vision of like good design culture is etc and then you can tell them about yours and then just see if it's an honest fit sometimes it's not yeah. but it's better to get to that conclusion sooner rather yeah. than two or three interviews down the, down the road mm -hmm. So. yeah what's what's your opinion on how companies can do better to secure talent in such a competitive market right now uh oh, good question i'd say like yes yeah, sure like three maximum four interview stages mm -hmm. and like, look i've worked with bigger companies but they do have like five or six stages yeah. and when we do send them someone who's amazing we're like it is like right let's get in a huddle let's yeah, like, yeah let's plan this yeah mm -hmm. do it so they can be effective um but i think yeah just sm for smaller to mid-sized companies have a really quick interview process like three or four stages Tell candidates about the process and what it is. Mm. A lot of them don't do that. They'll do one yeah. interview. No, like they, they don't give them a time frame for feedback. They don't tell mm. them like what's going to happen next. They don't map the process and manage expectations of like this will take X amount of time. This is how it mm. works. So just generally giving as much information as possible about the interview process, yeah. how it takes, what they expect from you. Another one, yeah. What what do you want to see? We we're chatting about this with case studies, like mm. um, you know, so as in like take home tasks. Sorry, in yeah. like you know, here's a take home task, but say, here's a take home task. We want you to showcase your skills in X, Y, Z. Cause yeah. here's a take home task is too broad. And like, yeah. sometimes you'll have a time limit on it. Like I said, I, I used to have a company that always be like, they didn't do any research. I'm like, how are they supposed yeah. to do research when they're sat at home by themselves without users? <laughs> yeah. Some of them are just really broad. So, you know, I'm not saying give people the answers, but like yeah. hint, hint or just say mm. like, showcase your skills in X, Y, Z and how you'd apply them to this problem. Yeah. So I think the main thing is just like clarity over mm. what the interview process is like, what they want to see and like, you know, what skills they're, look they're looking for essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think it's such a, a common mistake that a lot of companies make is not giving, as you said, not giving people the answers to the questions or anything like that, that in the interview process, but at least giving them an understanding or idea of what topics might be covered, what specific questions might be asked, so that at least they can prepare because you're not going to get the best out of someone. Some, as we said, you know, different people perform very differently under pressure. So if you if you're putting someone on the spot and asking them quite difficult questions, some people mm -hmm. aren't going to give you very good answers in that scenario. Whereas at least you know if you give them not not necessarily specific questions at times, but at least topics that they might be covering off at least they could go in best prepared and prepare themselves well enough to know okay we're covering off this topic i can sort of pre-prepare pre-prepare pre-plan in my head as to what i'm going to discuss and how i'm going to present this answer to them um Definitely. because as, as we said i think people get filtered out or said like no because they haven't necessarily performed as well in the interview but if you're just literally giving them no context nothing and just hitting them with hard questions when they're not prepared for it whatsoever 
very few people are going to perform very well under that type of pressure. <laughs> and I think like with with a lot of designers, they're obviously from more of a creative background yeah. and like creators probably like and I'm definitely one of them, like not mm. not the strongest style of communication, let's say, mm. but that doesn't mean to say they can't do the job. It's just like mm. when you're putting them in kind of high pressure environments and like I, I understand communication is a big part of the job yeah. within design, but to assess like you know, sort of six years of someone, five or six years of someone's experience and their communication style based solely in like a one hour interview where they're fielding questions from free stakeholders that's quite intense. Mm. Probably not the best way to get a, an accurate read of what someone's actually, like what someone's communication skills are actually like, you know. So yeah, there's <laughs> lots of work to be done, man. It's an ongoing, yeah. ongoing thing. Yeah, for sure. But look, as we, I think, as we said at the start of this, we, I think we both deem the the design market to be in a in a healthy space right now. There's still lots of companies hiring. There's still lots of opportunities out there, which is exactly what everyone wants to see. And I think, hopefully, you know, I think a lot of companies are sort of, if they are being a bit hesitant around hiring right now, they're sort of getting towards the end of the year and they're saying, look, we'll, we'll sort of start afresh next year. We'll see what budget we can have for hiring next year, and hopefully things will start to to start growing again in a bit more fashion, like we saw after the pandemic again. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, Rory, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for jumping on. Thank Thanks for having me on, man. It's nice no to worries. Uh, share a space with someone that shares the same headaches as me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Cool. Well, look, right. thanks very much. Um, and yeah, speak to you, my man. Right. Bye. Take care, man. See you later.